Pivot Points is sponsored in part by F&M Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. NMLS number 401-420. You're listening to Pivot Points with Kristen Quinn on the Stream Grace Network. Welcome back to another episode of Pivot Points, where I bring you encouraging and inspiring stories. Guys, today I have two guests on my podcast. Bonus, it's bonus day. I have Jeremy Griffin. Hey! And I have John Yule. Hey, 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 everybody. <laughs> oh, he had to go more haze than me. <laughs> I got more haze, it, buddy. It's going to be super fun. I kind of have them in the dark of where we're going, but, you know, we like it that way because then, the, you know, the Lord steps in and we're going to have some great conversation. But before we get started, I want you to listen to a word from our sponsor. Why wait for financing? Get quick decisions from a family-owned bank in your backyard. With financing designed for home, personal, or business, F&M's experienced and dedicated banking advisors are there for you every step of the way. Call 405-715-1100 or visit www.fmbankok.com. Hey guys, check out FNM Bank. You know, I know some of them personally and they're good folks. So, guys. I'm, I'm going to go check them out. You should. You should. Start a, like start a new venture. We're literally, we've, we've looked at new bank stuff. Okay, so well, there we're you go. thinking about it. I, I've got some connections there if you want to hit right. me up later. I they will. really are good people. That's fantastic. All right, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> so before we uh, started hitting the record button, we were talking about, you know, it's just that time of year, kids going back to school. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I saw a reel, you know, the little short videos the other day, and it showed a mom like how at the beginning of the year, you're crying, letting your kid out the car. And then at the beginning, you're like, see ya. And right. I was like, I'm truly like the second one mm. all the time. Yep. I love um, my kids, but I'm never crying in the car when they get to go be occupied for a good four or six hours yeah eight hours however long they're at school nope i'm saying see you before we even get in the parking lot i'm like you get your stuff get ready jump out yes. <laughs> go that is me get yourself ready and you can undo your belt they're like mom we're moving yeah. i'm like you can undo your belt right <laughs> my kids are always we're pulling in and um then we get to where they need to get out and then they start gathering their stuff yes. i'm like that is inefficient when we hit this turn, you should be gathering your stuff. Be ready to go. When we pull in the parking lot, yes. see all these people. And it seems like I'm always the person that is behind that person. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well. anyway, I apologize for that, but I'm so ready for school to start. I know, you know, or I get behind the person that um, they feel the need to get out of the car go all the way around to the other side, open the door for their kid. Oh, yeah. And, I, and no. I'm like, are you no. kidding me? God gave you hands. You Use them. Me. I'm really nice and a really sweet person, but there's something that happens to me when I'm, one, driving, or two, in carpool. Mm. I'm a little bit different. Carpool. Man, that's a world I would never venture down. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know Yeesh. why. I get so irritable. I'm like, this is not that hard. Yeah, it's not <laughs> that hard. No, no, no. no, no. It's weird because, like, I, so we're only, like, my, my 10-year-old is all that I have left at the house, but we're we're uh like a minute and a half from the school <laughs> and so like it's strange to me because he wants to ride the bus and school starts at like 805 when the bus shows up or it opens at 805 the bus shows up at 810 so i'm like 
but I could take you to school and be back home and working faster than me having to sit here and wait for the bus. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. But but we have the most interesting conversations on that bus or on that that little one and a half minute drive. My favorite one ever. <laughs> we're not, we're just driving, and he says, "Why do they say sound it out? That doesn't work." <laughs> he just out of the blue, and he said, "I mean, it's not pterodactyl." <laughs> that's funny i was like it's a good point kid is that all you got for today mm-hmm. my kids often say well, why did they name this that and i'm like that's a good question or why it, did they spell it that way i'm like oh you know nobody asked me right I that's my you. favorite comment lately nobody asked me. nobody asked me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they did i would have had an opinion guaranteed yep. <laughs> nobody mm-hmm. asked me i remember when my son who is a he's a very much a critical thinker uh like me in many ways um when he started asking the question who called blue blue and yes. at what what gave them the right to define that as blue I'm like dude i have no idea i don't know it's just blue <laughs> yes but it's a good question you know who yeah. Who determined this is blue and not everybody else falls in line with it, you know? Uh-huh. So, oh. Gosh, maybe we do that a lot in lots of areas. Mm, Someone maybe. says it is, so we all follow behind the... Yep. All I know is that blue is blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I had that long... Like, I, I got to the point of thinking this when, when Johnny looks at blue and I look at blue, is it the same color? Yes. And I'm like... It could be different shades. Well, I mean... Yeah. Is I turquoise mean, I, blue I have, or is it green? Well, I'm just saying, like, do we see it the same way? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I and and I just found myself I like I, I don't remember this the process that but I was like scientifically, yes, we do. We do see it the same way. And because light is fixed hmm. frequencies, and so you're like, Oh, yes, that's how it is. That's we perceive it the same way. But you know, they just did this experiment in like Africa and they couldn't they can tell the difference between a bunch of different browns but not a bunch of different greens because of where they're living hmm. and so like these different cultures that never see certain colors where when you're looking at it on the screen you see like five different greens and they cannot right. see but but one green interesting but but the browns you see like five different browns and they see 50 interesting yeah it's really crazy wow did you see what he just did there he went from brown to green. Wow, that sounds like a podcast on our network, by the way. <laughs> if you'd like to find more podcasts, you can go to streamgrace.com. Check those out. That's weird. Anyway, so this is what we're talking about, huh? Yeah. I guess no, so. no. Okay, so I'll tell you what's been on my heart. And I had reached out to John, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, ago yeah. Um, I've been walking through different situations with different clients of mine. In case you're just jumping on the podcast for the first time, I am a health coach and I um, walk the journey of health with different people. And, you know, that looks different for everyone. And people are have different levels of involvement, obviously. Some really let me in. Some are very closed off. And that's just how they want to do the journey. And I go mm-hmm. with it. But um, I was walking through and I have to say there's multiple clients that I walk through kind of I'm in the trenches with. So I'm not talking about any one person specific. <laughs> um, but I, one day I was kind of in the trenches with a client and I felt the Lord go, don't be afraid to go there. Mm. So I kind of sat there for a minute and I was talking to her and then I got off the phone and I, I felt him say, I have lessons for you too. Mm. in the trenches in someone else's trench and so i just started kind of you know praying about that and having a conversation with him about that what does that mean what are you saying what does that look like and 
immediately I thought, okay, well, he's given me the insight when I'm in a journey with someone, obviously I'm sort of on the outside of their current situation Mm -hmm. to where I can look at it with, you know, logical eyes, critical thinking, give encouragement, give advice um, that they, they, they're grasping for. They don't know how to handle a certain situation. But then he kind of, kind of started having me think about it as a trench. Well, what is a trench? I love, I don't know if you guys do this. I love to look up the meaning of words. Mm -hmm. If I'm having a conversation with the Lord or if I'm talking to someone and he's trying to really dig into what he's trying to tell me, I look up the definition. And so I immediately, I went and looked up the definition of the word trench and um, I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher it right now, but basically it's a depressed Mm. downward area in the earth or in, you know, down. Just, yeah. So I felt like, so then I thought, well, for some reason he brought to my mind, like looking at it as a military perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the trenches with someone else, you're serving the other people. You're serving something. You're serving your country. So you're there to serve a purpose. So hang with me here. And Mm -hmm. so then at this point, I'm like, oh, this is good. He's showing me a lot of stuff. And I thought, I'm bringing my buddies in on this. So I I messaged John and I was like, I feel like, because I feel like you guys can probably relate and you have a lot of the same tools. Um, And I'll tell you, John's a pastor. Jeremy does counseling. (laughs) So I feel like, okay, we have been equipped with, you know. I counsel pastors, which is really Oh, well, that's even deeper. That's even deeper. (laughs) We can go there. Um, I feel like God's gifted us with certain tools to be able to minister and encourage people in the trenches that they don't see, they're not aware of, they don't know what to grasp on. Mm -hmm. And so he kept having this dialogue with me about, you know, kind of what your purpose is in the trench and, um, Obviously, you have an enemy right? when you're in that position. And you're supposed to come alongside your fellow soldiers, friends, family, whatever, and serve them to fight against the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this can unfold a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But my overview after this was, I'm not there to actually solve their problem. I'm not there to um let it can start to consume me and mm. my thought life and my i'm there to serve them at fighting the enemy so whatever i can speak into that whatever i can actions i can give them into that whatever tools i can help them with in that area like that's my purpose and i think the lord was saying like a lot of people are afraid to go there mm. they they think oh i've got my own stuff mm. i've got so much going on in my own life and if you only knew what i was dealing with i am not going to get wrapped up in that but I feel like he was saying, Mm-mm, "Go there, mm-hmm. because I'm going to teach you down in that trench, just like I'm, I, you know, just like I'm going to teach them. There's stuff for you to learn there." Yeah. So I don't know. What do you What do you guys think of that? I got a couple of thoughts, and I'm going to jump right in. But mm-hmm. um, I think the first thing is one of the reasons that people get afraid of going down to the trench is because they don't they they take it on. You know, your problem isn't my problem. I can't take your problem on and be effective at helping you. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. now, there's a nuance to that. It's not my problem. It is yours that I'm helping you with. Right. So if, if a friend asks you to move, it's not your stuff you're moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's their stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're participating at the same level they are. You're still helping them move. So it's the same kind of concept. But what we typically do is take ownership of that problem. And the people who want to avoid that, I should say, 
maybe not everybody does it, but they take ownership of that problem and now it's theirs and they take it on. I'm guilty as anybody at this. I'm a very empathetic person. So I'm going to pull that in and be like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I have to have tools going into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really remind myself that I'm here to help them. I have people Mm -hmm. who in my life that are in need Mm -hmm. and I probably have the capability of meeting that need, but it doesn't always equate to me supposed to be meeting that need. Because God's the one that meets the need. He may use me to do that, but we can't just, my, my mom was a very generous person. She would give herself into the poor house and then what? Then she's, she's in need, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to still seek God in those whole processes. But John and I have been in conversation over the last several weeks, literally on how to hear God's voice and really working that out and processing mm-hmm. that for mm-hmm. other people because that really is the process. When someone is down in the trenches, mm-hmm. they're struggling to hear mm-hmm. the voice of God. Mm-hmm. So when you can have a process, when you can help them walk through hearing his voice, now you are not their source. God is their source. Because mm-hmm. that's the other side of it, right? You get in there, let's say you help them out. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. It's You're there forever. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now you've become their source. Mm-hmm. But when you say, hey, let me help help you understand how to hear the voice of God. And in that, you're, you know, what's the adage? Teach a man to fish mm-hmm. as opposed to giving him fish. You know? Exactly. Well, that was we, a very uneloquent way of saying No, that. but we say that in health coaching. Like, don't be a hero coach. Teach them the things and where to find them and mm-hmm. how to find them. Like, don't be the tool. Right. Teach them how to use the tool. Exactly. And that sticks with me. I'm like, okay, don't be the tool. I don't want to be a tool. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I, when I first started getting into broadcast work, this is years ago, I, I was really thrown into the thick of it. So it was setting up um, a, to run a, a uh, Thunder game for Fox Sports. And I had never done anything on the broadcast side. And so I'm training before I'm actually going to work. I'd scheduled to work a game or so down the road. And so I come in to train. And the guy that's training me says, okay, do this. He, he's showing me what he's doing. And within about 10 minutes, I said, hey, can you just tell me what to do and let me do it for you? Because for me, I've got to do it or I didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's like if, you, if you've driven somewhere from GPS, you probably won't remember how to get there. But if you drive there following directions that you've been given, then you can learn how to get there. Mm-hmm. Things like that, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're riding in a car. If my wife's riding in the car, forget it. She'll never get there again. But if she drives it, it's fine. Uh-huh. And so it's all that same kind of concept. Again, if you're teaching them how to use if you're coming in and doing it for them, they aren't learning anything. And that's just going to keep them and you occupied, mm-hmm. right? Well, and I think too, like what I was realizing was, Sometimes when they're in that place, I mean, there is an amount of spiritual warfare that goes on. So they're blinded from certain things that you can see, they just can't see. Mm -hmm. And so I find it really beneficial to strategize. I love the thought, and I try to teach my kids this, like strategizing in a situation, in a current situation, let's think of a strategy, like steps you can do to, one, not feel that way, or two, make this progress, or three, try to move in a direction. Um, I feel like when you give them that visual of steps, actions, because sometimes they're just so um, stalled yeah, it's, or they're it's, so stuck. It's paralyzed in, in, yes. in doing something because it's like you don't, they, they just are staring at this insurmountable thing. And it's like, well, just do the first thing. 
right? Yes. If the room is totally trashed, <laughs> then they're like, oh, I don't know where to begin. Uh-huh. Okay, do you see the trash on the floor? Uh-huh. You're right. Just, just uh-huh. pick that up. Uh-huh. Let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> pick one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Make your bed, you know, whatever Because also they have all the emotions of the situation wrapped up in a bundle. Like right. they're wrapped up in the emotions, which we may or may not have some of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on who the person is, if we're really close to them and we know all the people in the situation, but our emotions won't be the same as theirs. So I feel like, like you said, when you can look into that and go, okay, let's think of one thing, mm-hmm. you know, one step. But um, yeah, I just, I'm really fascinated by, um, and I guess maybe, maybe you know you're in your sweet spot or in your calling when something like this gives you energy. Yeah. Sure. Oh, Sure. I think um, as I'm sitting here listening to you guys, and it's hard for me not to come from a spiritual perspective. Oh, yeah, that's who we are. I I really, I struggle with that. I think there are several things that um, God's been kind of impacting me with um, that I think can apply here. Um, Two key words, I think, for trenches. One, you you hit on um, a depression. That's true, Um, where people can get lost in their trenches. But there's another part that I think is important. It, a trench is also a fortification. And so it's like you can get into a trench and then you fortify yourself and it's hard for you to get out of it. Mm. And that's where you need other people like what you're doing who can come alongside. But in order for us to help them, we got to be careful that we don't get lost in their trench, that we don't get down and get wrapped up in the fortification that they have built up. Um, I don't think people realize what it, what it takes to really make an impact. So let me give you four, four things real quick. If you want to make an impact in someone's life, um, I don't think we do it properly. Let's put it that way. First is we've got to learn how to inspire people. No one wants someone in their life that doesn't inspire. That is the first step. You got to learn how to inspire people. Inspiration then leads to interaction where you get to talk to people. They hear your heart. Mm-hmm. They hear your story. You hear their story. Mm-hmm. That interaction then leads to influence and influence is granted it's earned. Um, in a ministry background, I know so many people that think they have influence because mm-hmm. of their title or their position. And maybe in the 50s and the 60s when we were in this very top tier down society that we have all pretty much abandoned now. I just find it funny when I interact with people that that is still their paradigm mm-hmm. and they can't understand mm-hmm. why someone like me looks at them and go, oh yeah, you're a bishop, great. Mm-hmm. Um, see ya. <laughs> you know, that has no bearing on me anymore mm-hmm. because there is no, I, you haven't earned the right to influence mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. It starts with inspiration, then interaction, then influence. And if, if you're granted influence, that then gives you the ability to really impact people. And so many of us, I think we want to, to have impact instantaneously because the other three steps take a lot of intentional work and effort, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, as th- does that make sense at all? Yes. Um, I love I, it. I think we've got to, we've got to learn to appreciate the steps and, and, and the most valuable voices in my life are the ones that have been there long enough to earn the right to speak to me mm-hmm. and know that to where I don't hear Jeremy or a Rob or whatever. Um, I know God speaks to they They are a, a tool that God can use to speak things into my mm-hmm. life. Um, and that takes a while. Um, we've been, Jeremy said, we've been talking about ways to hear God and, and we're kind of addicted to this finding steps. So let me give you the steps that we're messing with right now. And then I'll be quiet for a while. No, you don't have to be okay. quiet because this is good. Um, <laughs> and Jeremy can jump in here in a minute. And I'm guys, I'm going to give you a scripture background. I'm going to go through this quickly. If you want to hear more in depth on this, Jeremy can tell you where we've been talking about this a lot and we are still developing it. This started with three words. 
It's mm. now up to five. Right? <laughs> okay, so here, here's how you can hear God. First of all, for yourself, if you're a Christ follower, I am passionate about people understanding you can hear God for yourself. And if you don't hear God for yourself, Jesus said in, uh, in the book of John, that his sheep know his voice. So if you don't know his voice, then you gotta ask yourself, am I one of his sheep? <laughs> you know, it's pretty basic. How can you hear God in, in a simple way? First, you gotta start to, you gotta look. Um, look around you. That could be in the Bible. If that's where you wanna start, that's fine. But I think we've gotta learn to just look throughout life. Live life with your eyes wide open. Psalms 19, one through two says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Mm -hmm. um, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day and night they pour out speech and night by night they reveal knowledge so god can speak to you through everything that he has created first open your eyes and look i think sometimes we live our life with our eyes closed yeah <laughs> you know you know and, i've missed that part about speech in there mm -hmm. that is amazing everything that you see began as a word mm-hmm in the beginning, God said, the very first thing mm -hmm. that God is trying to teach us through the scriptures is, hey guys, I talk a lot, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? You gotta that's look. That's why I wanna that's, be like I Jesus. I know. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's why we're friends. I know. Uh, first look, second. Then the second step is learn to listen. Mm -hmm. Learn to listen. You know, ask your, you know, ask yourselves, you know, why is this catching my attention? Why, why am I looking at this? Um, you know, uh, Matthew, 13, um, Jesus makes this statement, anyone who has ears, let them hear and understand. Mm -hmm. So it's not just enough mm -hmm. to look and listen, but he really wants you to understand. And there's some other things, a great scripture reference there is uh, Matthew 13, nine through 13. So first look, then listen. Secondly, or thirdly, log it, write it down. If you think God is speaking to you, write it down. Um, don't be afraid to, to put it down on, on paper, I carry mm -hmm. with me a little journal. I started for one purpose. It's now morphed into two. Um, so Jeremy has inspired me. And yes. Jeremy <laughs> and I have had interactions and Jeremy has, can now influence me. And one of the ways he's hearing about it right now for the first time. My plan is almost complete. <laughs> he's hearing about it for the first time. Jeremy does this really strange thing when I first met him. Oh, Have man. you seen his journals? The, the, uh -uh. The, he's got these paper journals for all the major areas of his life. That's fantastic. But here's what he does. He starts on the back page. He doesn't start at the front. He starts at the back. I don't know his purpose, but I've noticed it. And so I started, I've got this one, this journal that I've started carrying with me for the last month or so. And I've, I've written some things in it that that's helping me. I'm struggling with ADD. And so it's helping mm -hmm. me, you know, deal with some stuff. And I thought when, when we started, God started birthing these levels of l listening into my heart, I was like, okay, log, log, log. I got to carry I'm already carrying one little notebook and I know I can use my phone, but I just, the important things I like to write. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I'll just start on the back page in the same <laughs> book. And so um, I get two, two journals in one. But my point is, is that if it's important to you, you need to log it, log it. Um, Habakkuk 2.2 says, uh, write this, write what you see, Write it in big block letters so it can be read on the mm -hmm. run. That's a message translation. In other words, write it in a way that while you're going through your life, mm -hmm. you can come back and think about it. You may not know in the moment what this means, but it may 
make itself evident. I love when a pastor quotes Habakkuk. It's just so rare. It's just, it is. It's good. I like it. Look, listen, log. Number four, learn. Romans 12, 2. Don't follow the pattern of the world, but be transformed uh, in the renewing of your mind. I love it in the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. Mm-hmm. to know God's will for you. How are you going to know his will for you? Because you know his voice, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So to complete our levels of, of, of hearing God's voice, look, listen, log, learn. And lastly, the one that I'm really falling for <laughs> is love. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. Mm. And by loving, by, by doing whatever he tells us to do, we're proving to God the value of what you're showing us. So if you're, if you're noticing someone who is in their trenches, it is not in, in Kristen's ability to help pull them out of, mm-hmm. a, of a place where they have fortified themselves in a negative mindset or bad habits or eating issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not on you. Mm-hmm. What is on you is to look, God, what are you wanting me to do here? Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I think it helps us not, even in our empathy, to not get down in those trenches because we get down in things that we think we can handle. But if we'll stand there and say, okay, God, what what can I do here? Look at it. And then listen, what is standing out to you? What in their story or whatever mm-hmm. is piquing your attention, you know, and, and listen, you know, to what God might be whispering to you there. And maybe in some cases you write it down. Maybe it's an email you send them. Maybe it's something you keep for yourself and then learn. How do I, okay, if I see this as an issue, how do I help them? Um, how do I put a ladder into their depression yes and encourage them to crawl themselves out exactly crawl themselves crawl out. themselves right. out i right. can't get in and push you out mm-hmm. as a minister i have been so guilty of that in the mm-hmm. early years of my ministry thinking mm-hmm. that ministry was about getting down there with people and you know come on come on well no at some point i had to i got myself into my own depressions and the best thing i ever learned to do was how to dig myself back out of them mm-hmm. um and those are where you build the tools for your life. And then when we love God, we prove that we love him um, by doing exactly what he says. Um, and, and I think in that, um, we've got to learn to love the voice of God more than we love the situations that we're in. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I would say to people that are in the trenches. Man, I love you, but I'm not getting in your trench. The best thing I can do for you is to stand out here mm-hmm. and listen to God and find a, a tool or a ladder mm-hmm. a or, or, or a rope mm-hmm. or something, and I'll toss it to you and I'll be on this end of it. But man, you got to be—you've got to want to get out of it. And if I can inspire you to look up, if if I can find this whatever encouragement it might be uh, through interaction to then um, uh, earn the right to influence you. And as you begin to put those things in practice, do you know what the impact is when you are on the other side of your trench? You know, to stick with, stick with the, <laughs> all right, he's out. So I'm we're going <laughs> <laughs> um, to stick kind of with this military theme. Um, you know, I'm a gun guy. And one of the things that's so interesting with the gun debate going on in America and has been going on for however long, um, by the way, there's no debate. Second amendments. The second, is amendment. second amendment. But anyway, um, it's funny because the, the AR-15 has been at the center of that and it shoots around the NATO round as a 5.56 round. Now, this is relevant to what we're talking about. Um, that round was designed to wound, not to kill. It's a small 22 caliber in diameter mm-hmm. um, round. 
and that compared to say the AK-47 that's used by so many of um, our enemies in the past is a 7.62 round or a 308 round. So it's much bigger mm-hmm. and it's designed to kill. Mm-hmm. And the, the philosophy is that if you wound, you take two people out of the fight. So when you're in a war, you don't want to kill somebody because if, if someone's just dead, then they're, that's it. But if you sh- wound somebody, then you've got these other soldiers who are going to try to step in and help. And so this is what the enemy's plan is with us as well. Mm. He doesn't want to kill us. He wants to wound us because if he can wound one of us, then mm-hmm. another one gets mm-hmm. down in there. Mm-hmm. And then it, while they're not looking, they get wounded and then more mm-hmm. people come and it's just this growth of wound. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so crucial. And sometimes we see that as, as a lack of compassion, you know, some, cause we're, we live in a world right now that socially is all about just, it's, it's completely narcissistic. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if we, as, uh, believers if we if we step into people's lives and we don't we don't do what they expect us to do for them which is typically solving their problem then we somehow lack compassion or love Mm -hmm. or anything else and it's like no i love you completely and i want to help you but if Mm -hmm. you keep repetitively doing this Mm -hmm. this is bad for everybody so Mm -hmm. let's learn how to not be repetitive Mm -hmm. i mean how many times when you're working at a church does somebody come in and they're wanting money you know, you may help them the first time if it's some, especially somebody who's a part of your congregation. You're you're probably going to help them, um, but if they keep coming you, to you for money, at some point you say, "Hey, so what's the deal?" <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And and the sooner the better, because now if you can liberate them from this bond of poverty, then you've you've given them freedom. Mm-hmm. But if you just keep supplying whatever their their need is, all you've really done is kept them in poverty. Well, right. Well, you hit on the fact that this is, will not be their only trench. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. If you carry them out, what happens the next time they're in one? Right. I mean, and you know, I find that sometimes people are in trenches because of their own doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they're in a trench because it had it was not even any part of their own responsibility. Yeah. But you, same thing. They're still You've there got, though, right? Right. You've got to figure out what are my tools? What do, actions do I need to take to get up on out of here well i think let's take it from the i was looking at it from the vantage point that you presented Mm -hmm. you know as far as Mm -hmm. how do we help people that are in the trench Mm -hmm. but listen if if you are listening to the podcast today the same process that we just described on how to hear god works for you when you're in the trench if you're in the bottom of a trench and there are things going on and you are stuck man you got to look first how did i get here Mm -hmm. start asking yourself what did i do to put no one gets into a trench without making a choice right and and I think what what some people do, no, that's not true. What well, all of us yeah, do, yeah, all of us instinctively don't take responsibility for our actions. We have to learn to do that. We have to come to a place to where, man, I'm sick and tired of always falling in a trench. So I'm going to quit blaming everybody else. And, and I'm going to figure out what did I do to get myself here? Um, I have to respectfully disagree because pretty much everything in my life is your fault. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least the negative things. I mean, do you know how many times? Well, we even have- if it comes down to um, maybe something happened to them, but it was their choice on how they reacted right. and responded yeah. to that. 
I'm just saying if yeah. we, if we live the life of blaming others mm-hmm. and blaming the devil, mm-hmm. we are living the lie that we can't mm-hmm. control things by our choices. Mm-hmm. You cannot really say the devil made me do it. Mm-hmm. No, you could stand before <laughs> God someday and God could get on to you for something and you could point the finger like Adam and Eve did at the serpent and say, oh, it's this guy's fault. And the serpent, Satan is going to stand there and go, dude, God, you know, I can't make them do anything. <laughs> I can influence mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. but they make the choices. We got to take responsibility. So if, if the enemy is influencing us, does that mean he's inspired us and he, we have interacted with him? I think that there is there is <laughs> a thus, level there is a level no, of that that is true. Yeah, because you don't get you you influence is granted, mm-hmm. interaction is willful on two parts, mm-hmm. but inspiration is where we see something. And we're like, oh yeah. How do we see that in the Bible? Enticement and. In, uh, would be a nice word for the enemy's version of that. Well, look at, yeah, look at yeah. what uh, the battle between Jesus and Satan in, in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jesus was driven there, he tried to inspire him by what he saw. What does the Bible say that leads us into trouble? The things that we see, the lust mm-hmm. of the eyes, you know what I'm saying? So inspiration goes both ways. Yeah. But when you're in that the bottom of that trench, I think people got to learn to look, figure out how did I get here? Um, and that takes listening, not only to God, but listen to others that are in your life who uh, want to help you. Um, I often tell my kids that uh, here's how you can tell who your friends are. Friends tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And I think going back to your statement at the beginning, Kristen, and what you were kind of dealing with, what God's kind of speaking to you about um, is, is that deal of how, how, if I really care about these people, I'm going to tell them the truth. Even sometimes if it wounds them a little bit, but if it can wound them so they start looking at reality instead of the fantasy in their head, um, then they can deal with, with their situation. Look at it, listen to God, listen to others, write some things down, figure out if you're in financial stuff, man, get yourself on a budget, start writing it down. None of us who are budget people started loving with budgets. We just usually got ourselves into trouble and the budget was the ladder that got us out and then we mm-hmm. become budget addicts. And so, uh, Write it down and then change the way you think and and then love living in freedom outside of the the, mm-hmm. the trench. But um, just I, I think we got to be careful. Um, I don't want Jeremy to get me out of my trenches. I want to know that Jeremy's up on the other side holding the rope and encouraging me mm-hmm. and, and helping me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that as I as I pull towards mm-hmm. getting out, that someone mm-hmm. is there pulling me out mm-hmm. as well and mm-hmm. that can be of course that's that's ultimately god but god loves and i believe works through people so i'm in preacher mode don't bring a preacher on here and talk about trenches and helping <laughs> people out and, well this is exactly so. where i wanted to go so it works out but you know you were talking about if like the enemy does that mean we have dialogue with him mm-hmm. well you know yeah i mean why do we have dialogue with him when we can sit and speak with the divine right because i don't think we believe we can hear god i think there's a lot of people that do not believe that back to that they don't know it's awesome that you have those steps because i think that it's easy for people to visualize step one step two step three because i think that people just have that blanket statement of i don't know how Mm -hmm. or i don't hear god or i how do you know you're hearing when they have those steps? I think that's really useful. Mm-hmm. Well, this is something and, and for your listeners, anybody who's interested in learning more about that, I am a hundred percent available mm-hmm. for that. And I'm sure John Same is too, um, because it's, it's a very practical process, 15 minutes <laughs> on average. Um, 
but it takes and puts action to those steps Mm -hmm. and helps people really see that. Um, Because I think you're 100% right. I think that we believe we can, we hear from the enemy more than we hear from God, and there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Scripture teaches us that God speaks in a small, still voice, right? He's gentle, he's not Mm -hmm. harsh, Mm -hmm. and we never quiet ourselves long enough to hear him. Mm -hmm. The enemy Mm -hmm. screams Mm -hmm. and yells and Mm -hmm. is loud and Mm -hmm. crafty and shifty, Mm -hmm. and we hear that Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. We're saturated with mm-hmm. the voice of the enemy mm-hmm. and again and not to over spiritualize mm-hmm. the world we're in but it's a simple fact i mean people do not uh by and large we don't live in a world that glorifies god mm-hmm. right and so um when you quiet yourself and you take a moment you know for me it's the fire pit as most people know about me uh, i'm going to go out there and i'm going to chill and mm-hmm. i'm going to be able to hear from god um, it can be the elliptical, it can be in the shower, it can be driving, it can be mm-hmm. anytime. Mm-hmm. Because when you begin to hear his voice and you recognize it, mm-hmm. and now it's it speaks, you hear him speaking. Because he mm-hmm. does, I, in my opinion, God is speaking 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. It's re, what he said is reverberating throughout all mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. And so if I just take a moment to listen to it, I'm hearing. But I have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. It's funny that we circled back around to this because just... Um, matter of days ago, I did a live on my Facebook page about how to know your calling, how to start you to even examine your calling, how to, mm. to, to hear that from the Lord. And it, uh, it wasn't all your steps, but if you guys go back and listen, it's crazy because it was that it was, mm. you know, talk with him. And then the next one was listen. Mm-hmm. Because we are, we are, we're all talkers. We are all, you know, conversationists. We don't want to stop and listen to anyone. What anyone? It's not that we don't want to hear what they have to say, but we are just by nature talkers. Blah, blah blah blah. And it's so if we can get quiet. But then another step you said after that, the scripture said, "Listen and then understand." Mm-hmm. You're not going to understand if you're not quiet first. Mm-hmm. And then definitely. my next thing was ta- write it down yeah. because you have to examine. Okay, what am I hearing you say? And then I was, and then my next step was pray again, Mm. pray over what you hear him say until you have confirmation on that. And those are just the workings of how to have conversation with him, how to listen to him, how to follow his direction. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes that's a mystery to people. Yeah. They hear people say that, but they don't ever dive into the practical actions of that. Right. It's like when I went to counseling for the first time, I would hear for years, I heard people say, I haven't processed that. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, it's an emotion. How do you process an emotion? Like you stick it in a blender? Like, what do you do? And so I was, I remember my very first real counseling session and where I was being worked on, (laughs) to be clear. um, And I stopped in the middle of everything and I went, hey, is this what processing it means? (laughs) Like, is that what we're doing right here? We're doing the action steps. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, is the, and, and she's like, yeah and i'm like okay well this is it's like people using acronyms in life you know at mm-hmm. some point you're like i don't know what that acronym means mm-hmm. somebody's got to be the person not afraid to be looking like an idiot and say mm-hmm. hey what does this mean mm-hmm. i saw pcp the other day as an acronym and i'm like well all i remember about pcp from the 80s is it was a drug <laughs> it's a drug yeah what they meant was primary care physician i don't know <laughs> yeah right. i don't and, and then go into the military journey. oh no oh, dude I, mean, I know i know no one tells me about this all the time the military i was like what does that mean what does that mean all acronyms for (laughs) everything 
Well, and it's it's just silly. You know, it's here's the craziest thing. The one where I saw PCP, it said looking for a PCP, and then it was like three paragraphs of content. And I'm like, you couldn't write out primary care physician, right. but you can write uh-huh. this huge uh-huh. dissertation. But anyway, but but that's the thing is like you've got to give people a practical step, a, a process. Otherwise, it's great ideas and concepts and we're super we're like, "Yes, I agree." And that's it. It's like if if someone promised me a car, said, hey, we're going to give you a car. I'm like, all right. And they never delivered it. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we're mm-hmm. as as uh, we're building some things that that uh, we're doing at our church, um, I keep the concept kind of like what you're saying. But how it's been in my head is is uh, models. Me, me and my son, me and my dad we built models so you buy the box it's got all the parts in it mm-hmm. but you got to break the parts apart you've got to get the glue you got to glue it together and you got to mm-hmm. have instructions on mm-hmm. how to do it and i think in ministry we are really really great at showing people the finished product on the outside of the model box mm-hmm. and that's what attracts people and goes yes mm-hmm. i want that but then we never put the instructions mm-hmm. in there which is what jeremy's getting at putting the, totally. the steps in there about okay now here is actually mm-hmm. practically how how you do this. So mm-hmm. um, like what Jeremy, when you were, you've talked a lot about um, the fire pit um, and that's just a, just for people who's listening, that's not metaphorical. It's an actual, it's fire an pit actual fire pit. backyard. <laughs> it's an actual fire pit, but it's an age old principle of build a place to hear God. Mm-hmm. You, everybody needs to, you got to create your space and dedicate it and go, okay, this is what I'm, this is where I'm going when I'm going to, chill and hear God. I've got a friend who has, he took an area of his basement and he got a, a, a nice chair and he's got, he's got, you know, some lamps and that's become his space mm-hmm. where he goes and just chills. Um, I think all of us got to do that, but, um, I, I think we got to understand too. We, we need to ask, and this is kind of where I'm in my thought process right now, is I'm trying to help people, is I'm trying to figure out how to how to put instructions into the model box mm-hmm. <laughs> for people mm-hmm. when it comes to hearing God's voice. Um, why is it so important that we talk to God? Why is it important that God wants to talk to us? Um, I think we lose the fact that God is a conversational God. That's how he wants to talk to you. It's He's not looking to talk to robots. When, when you think, think about this, guys, Everybody who is listening, you at least operate in two types of communication. One of them is mechanical. If you're in your car right now, you are communicating with that automobile mechanically. When you want it to go, you press on the gas pedal. Unless it's Tesla. Unless it's Tesla. (laughs) But you press on the gas pedal and everything else happens. Mm -hmm. Um, if, If you're typing a paragraph on your MacBook, you press Mm -hmm. the G key when you Mm -hmm. want the G to show up on the screen. Mm -hmm. It's mechanical, Mm -hmm. ins and outs, Mm -hmm. ins and outs. And I think a lot of times we think that's how God talks Mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. God's going to tell me what to do and then I'll do it. But if he never tells me what to do, then I'm not going to do anything. Or I'm just going to ask, ask, ask. Keep asking. Okay. (laughs) Um, We've talked about our kids. Um, I use this illustration that the that the way my kids can show their maturity is when they make the right decisions without me having to tell them what to do. And a lot of us as Christians are just, we're immature. We haven't been taught properly that God really wants us to get to a place where we don't have to ask him all the time for everything because we know his heart, Mm -hmm. we know his character, Mm -hmm. and we're able to look at something and go, you know what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see God right there. I'm Mm -hmm. gonna do this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but he doesn't talk to robots. He doesn't talk to us mechanically. He talks to us in a conversation. Mm -hmm. And who do we talk to in conversations? Mostly the conversations that matter mm -hmm. are friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we really have a proper understanding that God is your friend. I know him as my Lord. I know him as my savior, mm -hmm. but the idea that he is my friend, um, real friendships, Jeremy and I are building a real friendship. Do you know what it takes to build real friendships? You got to walk through friction with each other. I'm good at that. <laughs> well, causing friction. You got to walk through friction with each other. <laughs> this house that we're in, this studio that we're in, at some point friction was, was, was forced on the ground to create a cavity to where the foundation could be laid that this structure could be built on. And what a lot of us do is we encounter friction with people and we bolt mm. and we run. And it, listen, if you're going to listen to God, he's going to cause some friction in your life. Mm -hmm. um, but if we'll go through the friction, then we realize that, okay, this friction here, Jeremy will say things to me. I'll say things to him that maybe other people listening will think, well, boy, that's harsh. But in our relationship, we've gained influence into each other to where now that which others see as friction is actually things that deepen the friendship. And God wants to speak to us that way. He mm -hmm. wants to just be our friend. Mm -hmm. In fact, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because servants do not know the heart of the master, but I call you friend. And listener, if you're in the midst of a trench today, he is your friend. He's the one who's in the trench with you. You don't need Kristen in there. You need her up there helping you get out. <laughs> yeah, well, that he, he always has a way of summing up, doesn't he, at the yeah. end? He, like, gives this the nice round. Stuff. I guess. Like, he's, like, landing the plane really, really well. <laughs> he did that last time he was on here. I was like, well, that just summed up the whole thing right there. That was awesome. I'm sorry. No, why are you saying sorry? <laughs> I'm saying that was good. Yeah. It's something he's trying to friction out of me, too. Why? <laughs> Every time he why? says, I'm sorry, I yell at him. Yeah, don't apologize. <laughs> Be unapologetic. Because, you know, you hit on something, too, in there. When there's friction, some people can also look at that as discomfort. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. I heard something recently that I was like, that is so good. Discomfort can either lead to disease mm -hmm. or it can lead to freedom. It's good. That's true. That is true. But you have to, I mean, you're either going to cause more disease in a relationship, in a situation, in a trench, whatever, in your soul, in your heart, or you're going to work through that discomfort, face that discomfort and find freedom on the other side of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got about once a year, we take our knives, our kitchen knives, and we go somewhere and they apply friction to it and nobody gripes about it because it's going to sharpen the knives. Do you really you know? do that? Oh yeah, dude. I've wow. got to have, I got to have sharp knives. Otherwise I don't get good Never dices. In my life. I don't get good cuts. Never in my life yeah. have I done that. You must be like, I like to cook. A semi chef. No, but I Meats? do like to cook. Okay. I love to cook. Yeah. You can't, you can't fillet a steak and stuff it mm -hmm. with garlic and stuff if you don't have a good sharp knife. I, so when is John going to fix dinner for us? I don't know. Like I don't even money. use a knife. When I make steak, I just smash it. I won't even top. tell you guys what I have for knives. John, you'd be appalled. I found a set of knives knives at a secondhand store not yeah. once have i ever sharpened them yeah why would you I don't because just buy you, new knives but i get where you're sharp. going with this it's good yeah but if you going. got a good knife that's got a good handle on it you know you go and you apply a little bit of friction and you got you a new knife i imagine if i dropped you know a couple hundred bucks on sharp knives i'd probably go get them sharpened but and true outside of that i mean true because i mean it's you know right. you spent the money no, true. i don't know what you've done you yeah 
I've got. I've got. I am uh, going to judge you, but it's that's okay. all right. I forgive you anyway. You'll still let him cook yeah. for you, though. Well, yeah. That's the bottom line. Spaghetti. It sounds like he needs Is to. It, did you like the spaghetti? Yeah, I had spaghetti from from him the other I'm night. I'm skipping over spaghetti. I mean, no. he said steak. I understand, so. but let me just tell you, the sauce is what makes any spaghetti. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty outstanding. Well, thank you. I'm not going to tell the secret. Nope. But it's good. <laughs> I know the secret. Oh, you're one of those cooks. I'll tell but you the secret those... off the air. Okay. It's funny, man. It's the little things. Yeah. You know. Oh, can I say one more thing before we go? Just because well, yeah. I learned this and I just want to share it with everyone. Well, yeah. Um, because I didn't pay attention to biology. Um, so I'm sure you did because you're a health person. So what is the smallest bone in the body? I don't know. Don't you know, me. you said this to me the other day, what and I actually it? knew this answer. I probably you did. know I did this know after you answer. say it, yeah. but I don't it's know. It's the stapes. The stapes oh, bone yeah, is, yeah. Is, I did know that. is the smallest one in your body, and it is integral for your ability to hear. And I know Also, I knew stirrup. that, duh, it, that, because I'm a speech pathologist. Exactly. I definitely learned that. But so you put me on the spot. I'm That's like, okay. I don't know. I know. Like, where in the so body is the smallest bone? The stapes in Latin means stirrup. Yeah. Okay. Is the Latin word for stirrup. But the whole idea that something so small is so important to our ability to hear. So if you break it, Mm -hmm. if something small gets broken, then you lose your ability. And so I'm, I'm working on a message for this weekend on how God can heal the small things in our life that keep us from hearing his voice. That's really good. And so we could take that a a step further. And I mean, it's called the stirrup, the stirrup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about what a stirrup does. Okay, go ahead. It and then I'll tell you what I'm it, thinking. It helps you up. You, It's an aid. It's an aid. It is an aid. It is a, a, help, a help device that helps you up. It also gives the rider, when the stirrup was invented, it, it gave the riders the ability to stay on a horse much easier and not get knocked off Correct. so easy. And Correct. man, if we can fix mm-hmm. the little things in our life and hear God, he'll help us stay on the horse of life and not let life buck us off so easy. I'm so ready. Good. It's coming, dude. So good. It's coming. <laughs> Sunday. Oh. New Life Church. I'm just going to say New Life Church, Sunday. That yep. message is That's, coming Sunday. Is I might show Sunday. up, John. All I might right, be in on. your audience. Are come you going to laugh? No. There, <laughs> no, we would never laugh. We just ask you to go to lunch with us. That's all. Well, I'll do that too. <laughs> you guys, thanks for being on. It's well, always, sure. always, always Thank a very treat. Much. Yeah, it's fun for me. Yep, me too. You guys, join in next time. <laughs>